Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Everybody and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 263, and we are rolling on with ACC under review. Mac, it's kind of hard to believe we're almost done. It's crazy. We've it's been sad. going through these episodes. We had Syracuse and Georgia Tech last week. We also had a schedule release reaction episode, so make sure you go check that out on YouTube on Apple Podcasts. Mac, give give our people a hint who we're talking about today. <laughs> I, I, did, I was a little early. I'm sorry. Um, it's all about the you today, KG. We're, we're talking about the Miami Hurricanes. Super excited about this episode just because our guy, uh, Joe Zagaki, he's been there so long. 21 years. He's seen a thing or two about the Miami Hurricanes. So he's our Rock'em Sox guest and really just enjoyed our conversation because, again, he, he – is a Canes guy, and he has his feelings, and he knows what it's supposed to look like, and it was just a really fun conversation, KG. I liked what you said there and what he said. He said, I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what future NFL guys look like, and it was interesting just to pull the curtain back. We recorded this before Josh Gaddis was fired. It was like the day before, and it felt like you know perhaps that could be happening, But so I just wanted to preface that. And we were waiting a little bit to record the intro and the outro to see if Miami hired anyone. And as of February 3rd, when we're recording this, they have not. But I mean, Mac, just overall, just quickly, your thoughts on Miami getting rid of Josh Gaddis. Yeah, I mean, I think it's unfortunate, you know, because I was very excited about that hire. Uh, Just I thought that a guy who was, you know, on everybody's wish list yeah. to bring in as an offensive coordinator. And, and it just didn't work. You know, the relationship, the scheme, whatever it was, you know, didn't fit, you know, with, with what Mario Cristobal wants to do moving forward. Doesn't think that it's a, a good fit at all. So it, it's something where I don't know how many people have been fired after, you know, six months of work, but here we are. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because now it's like, okay, you have to get it right. You have to get a guy. You have to be on the same page. There's a lot of pressure with this hire. So, you know, I think it's not surprising that maybe it wasn't done right away. Um, But who are you going to go get? It's going to be very interesting to me, KG. Do do they go get, you know, maybe one of these big-time, you know, head coaches that were fired that are offensive Mm -hmm. minds? Do they go and get a, a, you know, up-and-comer that maybe Mario, has Coach Cristobal, has worked with before that he just trusts and maybe he'll have some impact with him on what the offense looks like. I'm fascinated to see. I really am just who and what kind of style, you know, Miami's going to go after with this coordinator hire. I would say get someone who can make the most of Tyler Van Dyke's skill set. Yes. You have a super talented guy there. You have a guy who can sling it. Go get someone who can make him better and wants to work with someone who can sling it. Maybe he's not as Run first. I know that might be hard for Cristobal, but we'll see what they do. I, I thought in general, Joe was a great interview. He had so much insight. So we will get to, let's, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Joe, the voice of the Kings. Joe, welcome into the show, man. A lot to get into today with, with the Hurricanes. An up and down season, just Man, plagued with injury. It just seemed like any superstar player at some given time this season went down. Changing philosophy, some coaching changes, and maybe more to come on on that front there. The more I look at Twitter, the more I just don't even know what's going on. But how would you assess this first season for Mario Cristobal and this staff? 
Well, Mac, you said up and down, and that would be kind. It was more down than up. Uh, and I, I wanted the easy end of the show. I didn't yeah, want to just yeah. pick on you from Jump Street. <laughs> it was uh, you know, obviously unexpected the way the season went, uh, with all the high expectations of Mario Cristobal and, and the staff. And uh, I don't know. I'm so conflicted by some of it because, uh, you know, I, I was excited as well. You know, you look at the year before, it makes sense, right? Okay. Um, Manny Diaz had him at seven and five. That's kind of was the theory. And better coaching, better staff. Those one point games that you lost against Virginia, Carolina, Florida State, you turn those into wins with a new coaching staff, right? Sometimes you hire uh, a new staff to push a team over the goal line. Sometimes it becomes a complete, you hire a new staff because it's a complete rebuild. I think most of us thought that we were closer to the goal line. But Mario Cristobal, I think he came in and looked at it and um, evaluated the talent, which we'll get to during this conversation. And I think he and his staff, remember, you're, they're coming from Oregon. They're coming from Michigan, you know, uh, Georgia, Alabama. And I think they look at it and go, um, uh, hold on for a minute. We might be good enough to scratch by Duke and Carolina and Virginia, which is what you've been doing for the last 15 years. But you didn't bring us here to do that. You brought us here to compete with Georgia and Alabama. And the guys we have here aren't going to be able to do that. So then we have, you know, a crossroad in the middle of the season where um, we got to start looking at the future and perhaps putting our arm around some guys and saying, yeah, you're probably not <laughs> going to be here. Right. And so now here we are. Uh, and. The portal's been pretty busy both ways, and recruiting's been very busy. So I think what Mario Cristobal I'm getting around to is he said, you finally used, uh, Kelly and Mac, the word that they've been afraid to use here forever, and that is rebuild. Yeah. But, you know, he came in here with the guts and the courage to take on everybody, and that means, you know, a fan base and uh, media that thinks you're right there in the goal line. He said, nope, nope, uh, we're not. This is a rebuild, and we're going to do it my way. And so when you rebuild, um, Pat Riley used to say, you suffer before you have success. And so we're right. suffering. But I do think we will have some success. That's a great way to put it, Joe. I mean, it, it makes me think of a house, for example. If the foundation is not what you need, you got to completely tear it out instead of just start building on it. And so I think that's that's where Miami is right now. And I'm glad that we're saying it because then it allows fans to have some realistic expectations and understand what's going on. And, you know, it's so interesting this season because you came into the season and speaking of the foundation, you had Tyler Van Dyke. You had a guy who was the ACC Rookie of the Year who everyone was so excited about. But it's a completely different system. And it felt like he didn't look as comfortable. Of course, he gets injured and injuries were a huge issue for this team all season. But for me, Joe, and you tell me, because you were around this team much more than me, the A&M game I thought was telling because you had every chance in the world to win that game. And you probably were the better team. I know A&M tanked after that. But it just felt like, without Restrepo, of course, but in general, you were so close in different ways. Do you think that A&M game kind of summed up what was going on with TVD and, and perhaps the team in some ways? Uh, the A&M game kind of just was Miami uh, in a nutshell for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, you know, get into a big game and not really get over the top. They have in certain games. Uh, you know, the, the question about Tyler, 
I would agree, Kelly. To me, he never looked comfortable. And some of it was a new system, obviously. Uh, some of it was uh, Mike Harley and Charleston Rambo were gone. And whenever he needed to make a play the previous year, the ball went to Rambo. And I can just think of fourth down or third down and forever at Pittsburgh coming off the goal line. And he throws a missile on the sideline between three defenders. And it's Rambo that makes the play. It's fourth down game on the line. Everything riding on it at Tallahassee. War chant going. He fires a fourth down pass to Rambo. Well, we don't have Rambo. And he didn't he didn't really find a Rambo. Then your left tackle, Zion Nelson, he didn't play the whole year. People just kind of dismiss that. I always, I always find that interesting to me. Like you lose key players. And for Miami, Zion Nelson, their left tackle, never played. I think he played 50 plays, but he never right. played. And yeah. eh, no problem. Just put another guy in there. Well, not yeah. really. Then the left guard went down. Then the center went down. So the whole offensive line was wiped out. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Van Dyke went down. Yep. And uh, so he only played like five games. But back to your point, if there was a microcosm of his season, and I felt like th- this is not working. And one of the reasons, uh, wh- one of the things I said was, um, I you know, I was with Dan Marino. Right. I covered Dan Marino and I said, Van Dyke is Dan Marino. Now, mm-hmm. hold on. I don't mean, you know, Dan Marino going to be the next Dan Marino in mentality. Big, strong, northeastern quarterback, Van Dyke. They gave him the ball and said, throw it. Mm-hmm. Dan Marino, Don Shula for every year. I'm going to give you a run game. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm going to throw the ball. <laughs> We're going to give you a defense. Yeah, that's OK. I got my right arm. Now, I'm going to throw the ball. Hey, Dan, the play is, you know, power 36. Yeah, good. Get open. And, you know, that was kind of Van Dyke. And uh, the thing that Red Lashley, everybody said about Red Lashley, oh, it's his, it's his style. Now that he was gone, oh, we had the spread offense here in Miami. And Gaddis, he went running the spread. The one thing that w- was different, I think, wasn't the, the spread and all that. It was the, the personnel. And then um, Lashley did a really good job of getting Van Dyke into a rhythm. He's a rhythm quarterback. So if he threw, completed three or four in a row, keep on going. Keep on going. And if he was at a rhythm uh, and, you know, airmailing some, then let's figure out how to hit a couple of bubble screens and get him hot again, which against Carolina, Miami did do that. He had two or three games in there where they made that adjustment, and he was – looking more and more like Tyler Van Dyke than, of course, he got hurt in the Duke game. Right. And, and I, I think, man, what, what's so just interesting about that, Joe, is is we truly saw – I kind of alluded to it quickly, but we, we saw philosophy changes. Like the first three, four games, it was, okay, we're going to try to be this power team. We're going to try to run the football. This is who we're, we want to be. And then that didn't work, and you got some weird losses in there. And then it's the North Carolina game where – you know, we see Van Dyke come back off of an injury, and he just lets it rip. And I mean, he throws for 500 yards and looks like the guy, and then does it the next week. And then, of course, as you said, gets hurt. So it was really this up and down, just even from a schematic standpoint, it, it was just so strange. And I don't think there's any question. All the things that you just said about Tyler are very true. His talent is undeniable. I think a lot of people are going to kind of be asleep on him this year just because of last season. And 
that's a mistake. I mean, he he's going to be that dude if if given you know the opportunity and, and healthy. So another reason, and, and you kind of mentioned this, not having that Rambo, where a lot of the weapons got hurt this year too, man. I mean, one guy that was a constant that was just always there making plays was Will Mallory, and he was a model student athlete in his time. Just such a great year, or great player, excuse me, for Miami. They're not only going to miss him as a football player, but just as a great leader as well. What's Will Mallory's legacy in Miami? You know, uh, we're at this uh, oddball time in college athletics, right, where we're kind of getting the mercenary ball. Everybody, you know, uh, when they're being recruited now, I'm not so sure they're being recruited by a coach or a school. I think, like, the first question is, okay, all that is good. Where's my NIL? And, you know, Will Mallory was all about University of Miami team and education. And nobody mentions education anymore. But Will Mallory stayed here. Uh, battled through injuries, was a great ambassador for the University of Miami. And so when I think about his legacy, I'm going to say, hey, any kid that comes along, you you want to uh, – and I don't know if Will be a pro or not. Uh, I hope he will. And he might, uh, no pun intended, will himself into a professional career. Um, but um, if you want to play football at high level, have a great experience, get a great education – Use that education to be a really productive person afterward. I'm just going to point to Will Mowry. And he had great leadership around him, wonderful mom and dad. His uh, grandfather is a football coach, of course. But he was just always about doing the right thing, the right thing for the team, the right thing for the university. You never heard him complain. You never heard Will Mowry say, I, I, I. And, you know, he had a tough go of it his uh, junior year. The Michigan State game. Uh, Derek King hits him right in the hands for a touchdown. He drops the ball. It probably, you know, it, it may have changed. It certainly would have changed yeah. that game. It yeah. might have changed the trajectory of the Miami season. And I think Will battled some inner demons after that. But he didn't uh, whine to the world, right? He just kept going back to work and kind of sorted it out himself. Maybe he found somebody to talk with about it. But he just knew. He had to get from a dark place to a better place, and he did it. And uh, so he has my utmost respect, and, uh, you know, I hope one day he comes back to the University of Miami and can serve in some capacity doing something because no doubt. Uh, I'm certain he's going to be, he's going to be uh, successful whatever he does. Um, to kind of bounce back to your, your point about uh, Miami started off as trying to be a power run team and all that, I think that's another – you know, conflict that Mario Cristobal had to figure out. And, you know, you can go, all right, as a coaching staff, this is what we have. So do we coach this up and try and win some games and adjust it, right? Adjust to the talent. That's what you hear. Or, yeah. by the way, I've got a 10-year contract. I plan on being here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if I want to do this the right way, then I need to start instilling this right now with whoever is here. So I think that's going to be the way Mario goes is this is what I stand for. This is what I want to be. And I think, you know, Miami didn't have an identity at all last year. I don't think on either side of the ball, I kind of felt like they, they were fighting that. And again, a lot of that was personnel and you could go into a game and say, okay, we're going to play Florida state. Are we going to you know jam the box here and, and stop them from running 
I don't, I don't never felt like they were able to really get to who are we? Are we a defense that says we're going to rely on stopping the run? Are we like Manny Diaz? You know what he was. It was stopping the run is something we do on the way to the quarterback. Okay. We know what that is. It's get negative plays and sack the quarterback and try to turn him over. You know, Kevin Steele, I think he was trying to sort that out. And I think as we go forward with whatever the staff looks like, we'll, we'll have a better identity. But uh, I think that was a struggle to get to an identity. And I think part of it was, are we here for short term or are we here for long term? And Mario was here for the long term. It's such an interesting dilemma that a lot of first year head coaches have. And I, I think it's it's just fascinating to look at it from that lens this season. But in general, you know, we talk about Miami wanting to run the ball. And I remember Mac and I watching the spring game and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is a stable of backs here. I mean, you've got a lot of players to work with. And then again, the injury bug just hit um, that running back room. And so that hurt you in terms of what you were able to do. So what, maybe less about the running back room this year because we know it was injuries. But what, what do you see for the future for this running back room? You know, I would really like Miami to get through a season without an injury to a running back. I mean, hey, me too. I, me too. <laughs> I'm telling you, they are cursed at running back. I go all the way back to when they had Duke Johnson. He got hurt. Then here comes Mark Walton. He got hurt. Then here comes Travis Homer. He got hurt. DJ Dallas. He got hurt. I mean, it just goes on. Gus Edwards. He got hurt. It just goes on and on. And, you know, people talk about, oh, in the great days of Miami football, you know, they had this uh, stable of running backs, and they did, you know. When at one point, I don't know, uh, I'll get this right, Gore, James Jackson, Portis, McGahee, right, all there fighting for playing, Nigel Davenport. And, of course, it's almost, we know that's almost unrealistic now because someone's going to leave, right? Uh, but they did have, I thought, a pretty good stable of running backs. And then uh, Trevante Citizen got hurt and um, – Suffered another injury. So uh, I think we had the best running back went down for them. And now recruiting-wise, they've gone to American Heritage and brought in uh, Mark Fletcher. So uh, what they haven't had is, in my opinion, is the breakaway guy. The guy you can give the ball to and all of a sudden, oh, there he goes, touchdown. You know, we just haven't had that. And in college football, you need somebody – primarily a running back. It's nice to have a wide receiver also, but when it's second down and nine, instead of third down and two, it's touchdown. And uh, we haven't had that in a long time, maybe since Duke Johnson. And when they've had it, um, the person's been hurt. But Don Chaney went down last year, and I I thought Chaney was their best running back. If you go back, I guess now it's two years, Miami played Oklahoma State in the Cheez-It Bowl, and Chaney was great, both running and receiving. He kind of gives you that uh, double dimension. But he's been out for two years. So um, that doesn't help you. Now, um, we had a transfer, and then they signed two running backs, two local players from Broward County that hopefully give him that, that home run threat. It's going to be interesting to see, man. And it's crazy just, again, how much injury truly affected this team just with availability of, of guys, of, of who you thought, man, this could be so promising 
and then it just falls through. And another unit with that, you mentioned earlier, just that offensive line. And Zion Nelson, a guy who I thought after this year was going to be a first-round draft pick uh, and just couldn't get on the field, couldn't stay healthy. And, and you know, I think they're certainly about to get a massive boost uh, you look at the talent uh, that they've acquired in recruiting two five-star tackles coming in. You look at the transfer portal going and getting some beef that can play right away. I'm very excited about what the future looks like for this offensive line. But who are some guys that that stood out to you this season that, that man, okay, this is a guy that's going to help us in the future? Well, Mac, you know this. Big people move little people. <laughs> very true. Very and Miami has not been big enough. <laughs> and Mario Cristobal comes from Nick Saban, and Nick Saban has big teams who, you know, Saban's from that Bill Parcells uh, era of big people. So um, Jalen Rivers was injured last year at left guard. He's a big person, and uh, he, too, is from that same area as Will Mowry up in Jacksonville. And Jalen Rivers is another guy that, uh, you know, you would take him on any team. He's just a team-oriented yes. player. As nice a kid as the, that would come along, smart football player, great student, injured back-to-back years. And, you know, just such a promising prospect. If they could keep him on the field, that would be great. And then last year they played a freshman, Inez Cooper. And when you talk about a big person, Inez Cooper uh, is gigantic. And he's six foot four. I don't know, 385 pounds. But the most comical thing about Inez Cooper is he told us he um, he played baseball in high school. And then we asked him, he said, he was a pitcher. Like, of course he was. Of course he was a pitcher. 85-pound pitcher? He said, yeah, I was a pitcher. Like, uh, how did that work? No, thanks. Don't want any part of that. <laughs> so uh, we've got all the – we have these uh, – the freshmen coming in, that five-star freshman. You know, I always reserve judgment until I actually see him. Cohen coming in from Alabama, played a lot of football for Alabama, uh, went into the portal. I suspect he'll be a starter. Miami got a transfer portal player from UCF, a center, ranked very high. So I think they're going to be better on the offensive line. But uh, Inez Cooper and Jalen Rivers, two holdovers, um, I really want to see how those guys, because I I think you have to have some continuity. And um, I'm hopeful for Zion Nelson. Again, Zion's yeah. played a lot of football, didn't play last year. If you just got those three guys healthy and playing, uh, yeah. it's an upgrade on the offensive line. But, yeah. man, Inez Cooper, he looks like he, uh, at lunchtime, drags uh, tires around the parking lot all day long. He's massive. So that's what we want, bigger players. Big guys move little guys. I mean, come on, Joe. That's all. That's football. Like that's Let's just sum it up I'm right there. Guy. That's all you need Listen, to know. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little guy. I try to avoid being moved by big people, but, you know, I don't have to play in the trenches. <laughs> right. I just know this. Uh, I've done Miami foot- football for a long time, and uh, we like to say Mario Cristobal knows what a championship team looks like. I like to think so do I. Uh, you know, I got off the bus in days where they had uh, Jerome Brown and uh, – Jesse Armstead and Michael Barrow and Cortez Kennedy and Russell Maryland. I know what those guys look like. I also know what it felt like that when they got off the bus, there was a feeling of we're going to win. It doesn't matter. We're going to win. I remember rolling into Doe Campbell Stadium in 1991 for wide right one. And, you know, Miami had 
Gino Toretta and Armstead and Horace Copeland and uh, Lamar Thomas and those guys. And uh, Kirk Carruthers, when the game was over, uh, everybody uses the famous line of uh, big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games, right? I like the Kirk Carruthers line when Miami won up there. We thought they, we thought we were going to win. Miami knew they were going to win. <laughs> and that's the way it was for a long time, from the 80s to the 90s into 2000 when Shockey and Andre Johnson and Vilma – and, and Sean Taylor and Ed Reed and those guys. So I like to think I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like. And Miami's had some games recently where, you know, they played Alabama or LSU. And I looked over at my partner, Don Bailey, in, uh, in the pregame, and I said, well, we've already lost the weigh-in. <laughs> you know, so uh, we've been behind the eight ball in that department. Sure. And, yeah, I think that mentality side is really interesting. And that's – you can bring in five stars and four stars, which Miami's done, but the mentality is something that obviously Cristobal is trying to build. Let, let's talk a little defense here, Joe. I think this defense in general fundamentally was better. It's, you know, last year the tackling issues were were prevalent, and you still had some of those this year. But giving up 40 points in five of seven losses, that's something you don't want to see. You had some some teams kind of have a breakout game against Miami. What's the biggest focus for this defense heading into next year? Yeah, um, the biggest focus would be much like the offense. We got to get an identity on defense. Who are we going to be? You know, what are we going to be? And where's the confidence? Uh, and again, they got pushed around in the front seven last year, undersized at linebacker. I think they've tried to address that in recruiting and through the transfer portal. Uh, God bless Corey Flagg. Uh, plays hard, a great student of the game, um, five foot eleven, you know, five foot eleven, two hundred twenty pounds. That's hard to win. You know, uh, and then when you put uh, drop a Keontre Smith down there next to him, who was a safety in high school, and you try to another guy five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty pounds, and you try to rely on speed, it just doesn't work. And yeah. so they got to get better in the front seven, more physical. Had to get bigger. Now, uh, they lost uh, Daryl Jackson, who went to Florida State in the portal. Um, they did get two players through the portal, one from Purdue, one from Georgia Southern, that they think will help. Um, they had some injuries. Now, uh, Leonard Taylor will be a junior. And Leonard was a five-star player from Palmetto High School, right in Miami's backyard. And now he's a junior. So he has to work. And play like a five-star player, and sometimes he's got to take that think, step. He's got to take know, that step. Some of the guys down here in, the, in in these parts have a lot of people tapping them on the shoulder, telling them how great they are in high school or the Optimist leagues. Well, that's good, but but there are great players everywhere, and we're going to play those great players. So the you know our former players will talk to you about the commitment of the green tree and all that stuff. Uh, Leonard Taylor might fall into that category of can he be the next great player? And mm -hmm. it requires work all the time. So we need to see him take the next step. James Williams at safety is as good a looking player as you will see anywhere. But all James Williams has to do is look right next to him and see Cam Kitchens, who's an <laughs> All-American. Cam doesn't have the same size as James Williams. But Cam Kitchens worked himself into being an All-American. 
And it would behoove James Williams to look over at Cam Kitchens and say, huh, I'm going to follow whatever you did. It'd be a great idea. Hey, maybe we can both be an All-American. Wouldn't that be a great story? So I think that's some of this is individual. And then some of it is big picture, I think, with Kevin Steele and the staff to look at and say, okay, what are we going to be? And I think being a defensive coordinator in college football might be the worst job in America. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, I don't know how you stop people. But you got to find a way to limit the carnage, right, against these spread offenses. Yeah. And, and uh, Kelly, you referenced those 40-point games. Well, some of those, um, okay, they scored on us once, okay. Scored on us twice, okay. Now are we going to stop them or not? Mm-hmm. Some of that gets back to mental toughness and mentality. Are we going to say, um, we're going to put an end to this right now, find a way? And some of it is finding a way to make plays. And uh, college football today, I don't know that you totally shut the other team down, but a little bit like basketball, somewhere in the course of the game, you got to find a way to get multiple stops. And if you can get multiple stops and get some negative plays, then you shift, uh, push the odds in your favor of winning. And uh, Miami just didn't do that at all last year. Yeah, I think the next step is is let's be aggressive. Let, let's take things away. Let's get the football back. That's what you're used to seeing from Miami. And I think we're slowly starting to get players that can do that. You mentioned a couple there that they, they just have to. They physically, mentally, leadership-wise – You have to take the next step. It is time right now. You you talk about bag year. You talk about making your money. Go do it. Go go do it right now because it's all in front of you, all the opportunity you could ever want right there in front of you. I think those guys can do it. Uh, Joe, before we get you out of here, we got to talk expectations. Uh, Maybe a little reserved, maybe really forward thinking. I'm I'm middle of the pack here for 23. I I just truly – Miami's going to have to prove it to me um, before I I jump on this train. But one to hear from you, a guy that's there all the time, sees it, lives it, and breathes Miami football. Well, I have to preface by saying, you know, I'm the voice of the Hurricanes, right? So I never (laughs) pick against my team. That's Uh, right. In in my view, they are – let me see. How many games have I done? 375 and 0. But that 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 being, Come on. <laughs> that that being said, look, they got smoked last year at home. So before we jump into and we have uh, no divisions this year, right? So before we jump into Miami's going to be a Final Four team and Miami's going to play in the ACC championship game, I like to win the home games. Let's start there. Sure. Yeah, uh, I don't I know. Like well, we lost four or five in a row at home. You know, we didn't win a home game last year from the beginning of the season. So they have plenty of chances. Texas A&M comes rolling in here in September. So let's start with winning some home games. The expectations, I don't know, because we're going to have a whole whole new team. Uh, almost. Right. I mean, we got right. like 30 new players coming in. So, And we might have a new offensive philosophy. I don't know. I'm like you, Mac. When, when I read, you know, trying to read the – what do they call it? Reading the tea leaves or whatever. It's you know, dangerous out the there. Lines. You gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. It's dangerous. <laughs> you know, reading between the lines. Looks like we're gonna have, it could be a change of philosophy. I don't know. But all what I do think is here's what I think. We're not one play caller away. We are not one play call away. We are not one player away. So whatever happens with the staff, that's probably, you know, not gonna change move Miami from where they were last year all the way 
to the front of the pack. Maybe they will. I don't know. TCU, you never say never. Look at TCU made that quantum leap. But, you know, asking me, my eyes, my orange and green eyes tell me we're not one play caller or one play or one player away from all of that. Thanks again to Joe for joining us and breaking down all things hurricanes. And I, I thought he had a lot of great things to say. We're talking about Miami trying to get that overall talent level back up. And they're doing that, I think, both through the portal and through recruiting. I love what you guys were talking about bringing in some kind of new um, talent and exciting talent on the offensive line, which is going to be huge for Miami. I know you're excited about that, Mac. And we saw Miami's schedule come out. This is where we're recording this after the schedule release. So we know they're hosting Texas A&M week two. We already knew that. We know they've got Clemson on the schedule. They've got North Carolina on the schedule. Florida State, of course. It, it's, it's you know, Miami's kind of a no longer in the coastal situation here for the Canes. But if they can increase that overall level of talent and we'll see who they hire at OC, I think it could be a very interesting year for the Canes. But, Mac, I remember you said this. You said, I'm done giving Miami the benefit of the doubt. you yes. got to prove it at this point. That's right. A hundred percent. And I think that that's just, that's what, where you are. That, that's what you've played yourself into. And, and, and I think, you know, for, for three, four years, you know, we're jacked up. We're excited. Yeah, there's so much, there's this, there's that. And you fall flat. You, you miss expectation. Not to say that you cannot get back quicker than not, but you, you're going to have to show me. It's going to have to be a prove it type season, um, you know, and, until they, they do it on a consistent basis. That My favorite thing that you know, Jay-Z said on, on this interview here was Miami is not a player away. Miami is not yeah. a coordinator away. Miami is not what's going to take, you know, this group effort, all these different things to come together, you know, to get back to the level of success that they have had very recently uh, and, and at such a high level. And I think that's the expectation. That's what fans are craving and wanting so badly, you know, to have come back. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I do think that Chris Ball is the guy for the job. I love his passion. I love his obsessiveness uh, and, and think that ultimately he's going to get them where they need to go, KG. Mac, you are the king of shortening people to their initials, which I love. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were about to quote Jay-Z, the rapper. I was like, because you said, I love what Jay-Z said. And I thought you were going to say, you know. My so. bad. I got problems, but I don't know. I didn't know what you were about to say. So that really cracked me. You know, I got to keep, I got to keep KG on her toes and and keep it going. Keep it going. But guys, that's it. Uh, We got to get out of here. Another great episode of Gramlick and McLean. Thank you for tuning in. So much fun. Again, thank you to our guy uh, for just coming on the podcast and and talking all things Canes. It was a lot of fun talking with Joe, getting his opinion. And uh, again, we we tried to have some breaking news for you guys, but it just isn't happening. We'll see. We'll talk about the Miami coordinator when that day comes but we need you to go over to youtube subscribe there it's been really fun to see those numbers you guys have been awesome supporting us on youtube and continue to see that growth also go over to apple Podcasts, rate review subscribe we would greatly appreciate that but until next time we'll see y'all